All right, good morning. Uh, welcome, to, welcome to Anthem Church. My name is Luke Hedinger. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And I just want to, um, yeah, praise God that we get to come together again. Praise God that we get to come together and just worship him uh, during this time. And we get to, even though, as Stan said, we are continuing to be socially distant, we get to be together spiritually. And, and also, I just want to say welcome. Um, I know that just during this time with this format, uh, as, we, as we continue to gather, we know that there's a lot of people that aren't even a part of our church that continue to join us and continue to tune in. So praise God for that. And, and my prayer for, for you guys is that you would, that you would just continue to, to be able to be encouraged by what's going on here. But also, um, if you want to know more about our church, again, as, as Stan and Matt said, fill out that, fill out that Get Connected link and and we would love to wherever you're at we would love to help you figure out okay what does it look like to to be a part of a church family where you are um what does it look like to be a part of a community where you are so um so be sure even if you're not from around here be sure that you reach out and fill out that fill out that get connected link um this morning if you have your bibles go ahead and turn to acts chapter 9 acts chapter 9 we're going to be going through verses 32 through 43 32 through 43. Now, this is what we do as a church. We just take one book of the Bible and we walk through it week by week, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And, and the past few weeks, we've been, we've been looking through this book of Acts. And it's, it's really, it's been an incredible book. It's an incredible journey. As we, as we see up to this point, we see, I mean, Jesus was crucified, resurrected, uh, commissioned his disciples, ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit comes. Just crazy stuff is happening. Right, the, this movement of God is going forth, and and people are experiencing true community. People are experiencing the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in just crazy different ways. People that never that you never would have expected coming into the movement of God are coming into like like Paul or, or Saul as he was as he was formerly known that we we talked about a few weeks ago. This this guy who was persecuting the church is now a part of the church and is preaching the gospel. Just all these things are happening. Right? And, and it's, it's, as, as Matt talked about last week, things are multiplying in a really healthy way. And, and as we look at this passage, we see two different people. We see two different people that, that kind of get brought into this movement of God. And, and the question that I kept asking myself as I was, as I was studying out this passage is, what, what kind of brings us into this? What, what allows us to be a part of this movement? What allows us to be, have you, ever, have you ever been in an experience or been in a situation before where, where you kind of see something happening and you're, you're like, man, I, I want to be a part of that. I, can, can I be on that team? Can I, can I be a part of what's happening there? Um, a, few, a few years ago, I'm sure you'll remember when the, when the Chiefs, this year the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, right? That was this year? Okay, I'm not a football guy, but a couple years ago, the Chiefs were trying to get to the Super Bowl. I'm sure you remember this. And um, it, it was like the last game, maybe, before the Super Bowl, and they were playing a team, I think maybe the Rams. I'm talking about things I don't know. We're here pretty soon. We'll get into things I do know. But um, it, it, my sister came down, and my family was here, and we, we, we were kind of getting caught up in this movement of, of you know, Chiefs Nation, and, and yet we didn't have capability at my house to watch the game. And so we kept thinking, where can we go to be a part of this? Because all this is happening, and it's, it's, we're getting kind of caught up in the excitement. And so there's a, there's a little sports bar in our neighborhood, and so we're like, let's go there. Let's, uh, let's, let's be a part of this thing. And it was so funny because as we, as we pulled up to this place, I kept thinking, I don't, like, I want to be a part, but I don't know if I am. I don't know if I can be. 
I don't, I, don't know if I, I don't know if I have the right criteria to be a part of this thing that's happening. Right? We walked into this, into this little sports bar, and there's all these people. That, they have their Chiefs gear on. I mean, they have hats and jerseys. And I, couldn't even, I wanted to find something red to wear, just something red. I couldn't even find something red to wear. So I didn't look the part. I, I didn't know. I, don't, I still don't know the language. Like, I, I know that you get extra points if you kick the ball at some point in the game. That's pretty much the extent of my knowledge. Um, so I didn't know the, the language. It, it was just kind of one of those things where it's like, man, this thing is happening, and I want to be a part of it, but I don't look the part. I can't speak the part. I don't have the background. I, I want to, but I don't know if I can be. And I, and, and I think if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, I think that can be the way it is in our spiritual lives even now. As we, as we think about the movement of God right now, God is still moving. This isn't, this isn't something that started in Acts and ends in Acts. This is something that started in Acts and continues today. And yet the question is, how do I be a part of that? How, how, do, I, how do I live in such a way that my life can matter, that, that I can be a part of something bigger? And yet oftentimes we look at that and we say, I, I just I don't know if I can be. I don't know if I look the part. I don't know if I have the language. Well, this morning, what I want us to see as we look at these two people's lives is that the thing that brings us into the movement of God is the goodness of God. Okay, that's, that's kind of the big idea. The thing that brings us into the movement of God is the goodness of God. So let's, let's, uh, let's read. Actually, I'm going to pray for us before we, before we get too far in. So, so join me. Um, God, I thank you so much for your goodness. And that, that we're going to be talking about today. I praise you for, for who you are. I praise you for the fact that, that uh, it's not anything we can do that, that brings us into your movement, but it's just your goodness. And I pray that you would, that you would give us ears to hear. I pray that, that as people watch from home, God, I pray that you would keep distractions to a minimum. And God, I pray that you would just speak to us, God. Holy Spirit, just speak. Let us hear what you would have for us this morning. Um, we love you. It's in your name. Amen. Let's uh, go ahead and read. We're starting in verse 32. Starting in verse 32, uh, it says, Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose, and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Let's, let's go ahead and stop there, okay? Now, now, the first thing that we see here is, is again, Peter, this, like the Peter, the, one of the, the main disciples of Jesus, the guy who walked on water, the guy who, who denied Jesus three times. Peter is now one of the ones who God commissioned, Jesus commissioned to go and be a part of this movement. And, and he is, he's one of the, the founders of the, of the church. He's one of the early leaders of the church. And it says that he's going here and there. And it, it seems as though there's just this freedom as he's going around to these different towns, these different regions, uh, where, where we know in Acts 1.8, Jesus says, you will be my disciples in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Peter's kind of moving through these different regions. And, and there's, this, there's this sense of freedom. And I love it because it's, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of strategy, but it does seem like there's a lot of freedom, and they're just going, and, and God's doing things, and, and he's doing this. And as he's going, it says that he, he finds a man named Aeneas. And as Luke records this, Luke is the author of the book of Acts. He's also the author of the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. And as Luke records this, I believe there's a few things that he really wants us to see and understand when we look at this man named Aeneas. 
Okay? The first thing that we see is it says that Peter found a man named Aeneas. Peter found Aeneas. The reason I think this is important is because it, it draws a stark distinction, I believe, between the other paralytic that Luke writes about and Luke chapter 5. Now, if you remember that story, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus is going around, he's healing all these different people, and, and, and there's just this buzz about Jesus. And, and yet there's this, there's this paralytic man, he can't, he can't move, he can't get up, he can't go to where Jesus is, but he has friends, he has friends, and his friends say, you know what, we're going to get him to where the healing can happen. And yet here, in, in Acts chapter 9, we see Peter finds Aeneas. I believe what this is telling us, what Luke is wanting us to understand, is that Aeneas is very alone. That he is alone in his affliction. He has no friends to take him to where the healing can happen. Okay? So first of all, we see that he's alone. The second thing that we see is that he is, it says that he's bedridden for eight years. Now that word bed that, that Luke uses here, it, it's, not, it's, it's more descriptive of like a, like a pallet that a poor person would lay on. When I, when I read this first, for some reason, I had in my mind's eye this like bedroom chamber that, that Peter finds and he walks into and it's really kind of solemn and, and Aeneas is just propped up on pillows because he can't move and so people are trying to make him comfortable. I don't know why I had that in my mind. But this is not that, okay? This, this, this term is, is descriptive of somebody who has little to nothing, which that, that would make sense during this time period. If Aeneas, he can't move, he can't do anything for himself, especially if he is alone, he has no way to provide for himself. And so not only does he have nothing, but, but this has been going on for eight years. Can you imagine being in a situation for eight years? I mean, what that tells us is not only he's alone, not only does he have nothing, but it seems as though there's no end in sight for him. I mean, can you imagine I mean, we've been, we've been under this stay-at-home order for how long? For a, a month? It feels like forever. I don't, know, I don't know if you feel that at home, but it, it feels we've been able to gather together. Like, uh, I was talking to Brant here, I think it was this past week, and it's like, man, he was saying as soon as, as, soon as we can hug, you know, he's just going to go on a hugging spree and just, like, attack everybody. And I, I feel that. Like, it's just been forever since we could just hug people. And, and I can't even imagine being in this guy's place where he is alone. He has nothing. He, and, and there is no end in sight. And it, it's almost as if, as if Luke wants to put kind of this, uh, this like, the, the icing on the cake that he says, who was paralyzed? Not only was he alone, not only was he poor, not only was there no end in sight for Aeneas, but Luke wants us to understand that he's not bedridden just because he doesn't want to get up. He's not bedridden because he's lazy. He's bedridden because this is now his identity. This is, this is, his, this is his life. This is who he is. I mean, it's almost like if, if somebody was talking about Aeneas and they're like, you know Aeneas, he's the paralyzed guy, right? This, this was his identity. I don't know if you've experienced this. I, I, I mean, in kind, of a, in kind of a lighthearted way. I remember when, I think it was when I turned 30. Um, I remember when I turned 30 and I got out of bed the morning of my birthday. I got out of bed and like I swung my legs over the side and I stood up and I was like, oh, like just things hurt. And I remember thinking, well, I'm 30. I guess this is life now. Like this is my identity. 
But, but in a way that's, that's not lighthearted, I don't want to make light of this, but in, in another sense, I think that we can maybe uh, relate to Aeneas. Maybe we, we can relate to Aeneas in the sense that there, there, are, there are times, there are moments in our life where we can feel very alone in what we're going through. Right? We can feel alone. We can feel like, who know, I mean, especially right now, we don't know where the economic culture is going to go. We don't know what's going to happen after this. It feels as though, as we said, it feels as though that this alone feeling, this isolation can at times be overwhelming and it can feel like there's no, there's no way out and it can feel as though, especially those of you who, who may be dealing with sin patterns that have hung on to you for so long, it can, it can kind of come to that place where you, you're just in this, in this mindset, this is my life now. This is, this is what I'm known by now. I don't like it. I wish it wasn't the case, but this is my identity that, that's where Aeneas was. And into that, it says Peter found Aeneas. And, and look what happens. Look at what he says into this place where Aeneas is. Peter says this in verse 34. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he arose. Man, praise God, right? Amen. The, the, the fact, the reality is that we can have hope, that Aeneas could have hope in the midst of his identity, in the midst of his brokenness, in the midst of his isolation, that there is still hope, that we have one who has come. We have one who has is, who is provided healing for us. In fact, it says this in Matthew 11, verse 5. This is Jesus talking to the disciples of John the Baptist. He says, the blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. See, the reality is we have hope in Jesus Christ. No matter what your situation is, no matter what you feel like your identity might be right now, we have hope in Jesus as I was thinking through this this past week, I kept thinking about this, this kind of famous Easter uh, verse that we just got through Easter a couple weeks ago. Isaiah 53.5 says this, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement or the punishment that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. See, into that situation, into that place that we live, into that identity, hope is brought in through the person of Jesus. And, and guys, I don't want us to, to miss this. Yes, there is physical healing. I, and I still believe that's true today. There's physical, but not only physical, but, but so much more. Not only can we have wholeness in, in a physical sense, but, but in every other sense as well. I mean, look at what he says after the fact that Jesus Christ heals you. He wants him to understand there is hope in no one else but Jesus. He says what after that? Do you see it? He says, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. Now, this isn't like me telling my son, hey, buddy, it's time to get up. Make your bed. That's not, that's not this, right? What this is, is, is Luke is recording this, and this idea of rise and make your bed, it's basically saying, put that away as if you have no need for it anymore. Put that away as if, as if that, that thing is done. That part of you, this, this thing that for Aeneas had, had defined him, that thing that had, had been the, the, the descriptor of his whole person, the, it, it was the chains of his ailment. That thing, Peter says, Jesus Christ has healed you. Put, put that thing away. You don't need it anymore. That does not define you anymore. You see, it, we have an ability to not, to not just walk in wholeness of, of body, but wholeness of spirit and soul. 
that we can walk in a new identity through Jesus Christ. We see this all throughout the New Testament, this idea of put off all these things, take off unrighteousness, take off sin, and put on the righteousness of Christ. In, in Romans chapter 6, Paul says it this way, verses 11 through 14. He says, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as, in, as instruments for unrighteousness, but present, themselves, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. What is Paul saying there? Paul is saying that in Jesus Christ, sin has, has no dominion over us. It has no rule over us. We are not enslaved to its passions any longer. We can live in freedom. We can live in the new identity that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 5.17 where he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the, the old has passed away. The new has come. See, the reality is, is maybe you've walked so long and your identity is so caught up in, in your sin and your ailments and all these other things. But the, the hope that we see throughout Acts is that in Jesus Christ, you and I can walk in a new identity. You and I do not have to be defined by, by those things, by our past any longer. You see, the thing that brings us into the movement of God is not anything we can do. It is the gift, and it is the glory, and it is, it is the grace of God. You see, and look what happens after Aeneas. He, he gets up immediately. He puts that bed away. Those things that had defined him for eight years no longer define him. He gets up and he, he, he begins to, to follow Jesus. He begins to follow this. And, and, and then it says in the end of it, and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. You see, when, when people around us see somebody walking in a new identity, when, when they see people being, being brought into this movement of God, it allows them to come in as well. God works in them. And this is, what, this is what we see. People say, oh, you know, I want to be a part of that too. How, how do I do that? How do I come close? And, I mean, can you imagine Aeneas? He's like, I, I mean, I was just found. I, I was this and now I'm this. I was bedridden and now I'm not. You see the freedom there? When people experience God and begin to walk in that new identity. But, but that's not where we stop. Verse 36, go ahead and read with me. Now, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. I cannot get past that verse without just chuckling in my mind. So if your name is Dorcas, I apologize that I laugh at that. But uh, I should, probably shouldn't have said that out loud. But she was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days, she became ill and died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. 
And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. Okay, so here we see another person is brought into into the narrative. Right? This this woman, this disciple named Tabitha, translated Dorcas. I'm just going to use Tabitha, okay? I'm going to stick there. But, but Tabitha, and I think that what, what I see as I read this and as, as Luke is, is recording, it seems as though Aeneas and Tabitha are kind of brought into this comparison and contrasting place. We can, we can read them side by side, and I think when we do, we see something that Luke, I believe, is trying to get us to understand about what brings us into the movement of God. About this grace that brings us in. You see, when, when we read about Aeneas in verse 33, as I just said, it says, Peter found a man named Aeneas. But when it talks about Tabitha in verse 36, it says there is a disciple named Tabitha. Now, now there, there's something there, isn't there? When, when, when Aeneas is described as a man and Tabitha is described as a disciple. But, but you go on from there. It says Peter found Aeneas, but Tabitha's friends came and found Peter. As, as I said earlier, it seems as though Aeneas is alone, and yet Tabitha, look at all the care and respect that is taken for her after her death. People are washing her. People are putting her in an upper room. People, people are saying, man, we gotta, we got to figure out how to undo this. we gotta, we got to go. And they, they went and they begged Peter to come and, and come quickly. Aeneas, we see, was bedridden for eight years, yet Tabitha was full of good works and acts of charity. Aeneas wasn't doing anything, and yet Tabitha was doing so much, right? Do you see that? And then, and then it says, what, what I just talked about, Aeneas' identity was paralyzed. It was, it was helpless. And yet Tabitha's identity was all these tunics and, and things that she was continuously making, it seems as though what, what we read there is Peter comes into this upper room, into this place. We see all these widows are, are mourning, and they're, they're just, it's, it's almost like in my mind's eye, they're, they're kind of bringing all these things, and look at, look at the stitching, and look at the beautiful color, and she made this for me, and, and we see all of this put on display. Her whole resume of good works is put on display, almost like, like these, these mourners are saying, Peter, this is why God has to do this. Look, look at all the things that she did. Surely God will do this. Look at all the things that she made. I mean, these are, these are widows too. We don't really know much about Tabitha. We don't know if she was a widow herself, but we know that she was helping widows. We know that she, she wanted to continue to, to pour out her life for others. And it seems as though in that moment, they were presenting all these things before Peter as her resume for why God should, should let her into this movement. Why God should work. Why God should do these different things. And yet, what does, what does Peter do? In the midst of all this resume, it says that he put them all outside. He put them all outside. You see, I, I, I believe that, that many of us, especially here in mid-Missouri, many of us could probably point to reasons why we feel like God should work in our lives. Reasons why maybe God should allow us to be a part of the movement. Reasons why, you know, maybe, maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you've done a really good job during this whole pandemic and this social isolation. Maybe you've done a good job of, of being in the word. Maybe your prayer life is just stellar right now. You're, you're, just, you're just becoming a saint right now. 
Maybe, maybe there's all these different things. Maybe you're, you're giving to the poor. I, I was listening to the radio the other day, and this, uh, this guy um, took his check from the government and, and gave it to the poor because he's like, well, I don't really need it right now. Maybe you're that guy, and you're like, here's all the reasons why, why I'm good. Here's all the reasons why I should be in this. Here's all the reasons why I should, you know, like get to go to heaven someday. Hopefully not today, but someday. And yet, if that's you, and at times that can be me too, that can be my mindset. It's like, well, God, surely, surely you'll work in this way in my life because look at all these things. If that's you, I think that we need to be reminded of Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, where Paul says this, it's for by grace you have been saved through faith. By grace, unmerited favor, un- undeserved favor. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's a gift of God. You see, you see maybe, maybe for you, you're saying, yeah, but, but where, does, where do works come in? Like, we, we need to do good works, right? We need to, we need to be about these different things. And, and the answer is absolutely yes. Yes, we need to, I mean, that, that verse goes on in Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. You see, the, the reality is, as we read Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, we are saved not by good works, but to do good works, right? And yet, oftentimes, we get that so mixed up, and we, we write out our spiritual resume. And, and I was even having a conversation with a guy and uh, a couple this past week trying to figure out, like, well, well what, what really gives us this assurance, right? What gives us this assurance that, that we're saved? Paul would suggest the only thing that gives us that assurance is the goodness of God through Jesus Christ, it is not your spiritual resume. It is, it is the fact that, that it's not that you are good enough. It's the fact that God is good and he came into our world. He came into this, these places and he says, you know what? I want to save you. It is the gift of God. It, it's, not, it's not anything that, that we can do. So I don't know where you're at right now today. I don't know, uh, as, as you sit at home and as you, as you think through this, you know, maybe, maybe you're sitting there thinking that this is, you know, thinking about your past or, or you have your spiritual resume or all these different things. And yet the reality is it is none of those things that brings us into the movement of God. It is the goodness of God. And, and it, it seems as though in order to kind of really drive this home and put an exclamation point on it, we see this, this passage end with this, this little bit of information. It says in verse 43, and he stayed in Joppa, speaking of Peter, and he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon a tanner. Now, if you're like me, that's, that verse is really easy to fly over, and we don't even give it a second thought. But, but in this time period, in this culture, especially with, with heavy Jewish influence, which we're going to see that later on in the book of Acts, this Jewish influence. But with all of this stuff, you see, a tanner, according to Jewish law, was a, was a very vile practice. This is a person who deals with dead animals daily. This is a person who, who gets up and cl- you know, close and personal, peeling skin off, working with all these different things. And according to Jewish law, this is something that would defile a person. A tanner couldn't even live within a certain amount of, of uh, I don't remember the cubits or whatever, but he couldn't live within a certain distance from the temple and the city walls. right? Uh, in fact, I read this about uh, Jewish law. 
It says, according to Jewish law, if a tanner about to marry kept his trade a secret from his fiancée till after they were married, the contract of marriage was automatically voided. I mean, this is, this is a tanner, and yet from this, from this guy's house, okay, from this house that, that wasn't even allowed to be a part, according to Jewish law, uh, from this guy's house, we're going to see next week that the movement of God launches even further than Peter could have ever dreamed. See, this morning, as we think about both Aeneas and Tabitha, and then you add on Simon the Tanner, we, we do see these miracles happen. We see these crazy things. I mean, eight years, Aeneas is, is given back his legs. Tabitha is brought back to life. These are incredible miracles, and yet the miracles are just, they're just pointing people to the miracle worker. They're, they're just pointing people to Jesus. And it's when, it's when people can get out of the way and say, let me, let me point you to Jesus. That's when movements continue to happen. That's when things continue to, to take place. This morning, I, I don't know where you're at there at home. I, I don't know where you're at in, in your life. Maybe, maybe for you, you can really relate to Aeneas. Maybe for you, you can, you can relate to this guy and you, you're in this place where it's like, man, my, this is my identity. It's been so long since I've had freedom from this thing. I feel isolated. Nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody, nobody can understand. It's, it's been this long and here's all these different things and from my past. And, and we've all talked to people before that said, well, I can't, I can't go into church because of all these different things. I mean, people, maybe, maybe you've said it at home that, that if I went into church, the building would burn down. I've had people tell me that before. Or maybe, maybe you're like, like Tabitha. Maybe, maybe you're that person. You have your spiritual resume. You have all these different things. You have all these different works. You're, you're trying really hard, and yet none of that, none of that brings you close to the movement. You see, Aeneas, his identity didn't keep him out, and Tabitha's identity didn't bring her in. Right? It is only, it, it, no matter where you're at this morning, no matter where you're at, if, if you're thinking that your past keeps you out of the movement of God, then your understanding of God is too small. And at the same time, if your understanding of your resume, your spiritual resume, brings you into the movement of God, your understanding of God is too small. Right? We, no matter where you're at, instead, if, if, you're, if you relate to Aeneas, instead of saying, well, these are all the reasons why I can't. My, my hope and my prayer for you this morning is that you would begin to understand the grace that saves sinners like you and me. But if you are like Tabitha and you're saying, well, these are all the reasons why I should, then you need to understand the grace that saves sinners like you and me. So Anthem Church and, and those of you who are visiting from other places, my prayer for us this week as we think about this, as we think about the fact that the only thing that brings us into the movement of God is the grace of God, my prayer for you is that this week you would enter into that grace. I'm, I'm gonna invite the band to come up. They're gonna, they're gonna play for us as we, as we kind of land the plane here. See, my, my prayer is that as you have maybe extra time, or as you're going through this, this time period that who knows what's gonna happen next, and, and if you relate more to Aeneas or if you relate more to Tabitha or, or no matter where you're at on that spectrum, my prayer for us is that we would, that we would lean into that grace. 
that we would lean into that goodness, that we would lean into that free gift of God, that, that through Jesus Christ, maybe right now, where you're at at home, you've never taken that step. You've never reached out to God. You've never reached out to Jesus and said, Jesus, I need you. Yeah, here's all my past. Here's what I've done. But I need you. And maybe, maybe you're at home and you're saying, well, here's all my spiritual resume, but none of this has ever brought me any satisfaction. I still feel lost. I still feel distant. I would invite you to lean in, pray, seek God. Give him your heart. Give him your life. You see, because here's the thing. What we see from this scripture is that when people are brought into the movement of God by the grace of God, then the movement of God just continues to expand. That's my prayer for us during this time is that this wouldn't be a time where the movement of God is stalled or this wouldn't be a time where, where we feel like we can't do something. But this would be a time where we just continue to point people to Jesus. Not pointing them to our past, not pointing them to our good works, not pointing them to our spiritual resume, but we would be pointing them to Jesus. And we would be pointing them to a God who brings people into the movement of God by his grace and by his mercy. Would you pray with me? God, I, I praise you. God, I praise you for, for just the grace and the mercy that we see in this passage. God, that for, for both uh, types of people, both groups of people, for, for Aeneas, whose identity was all caught up in his ailment, and for Tabitha, whose identity seems to be all caught up in the things that she did and the things that she could do for others. But God, in both groups of people, that, that you would continue to work. God, those of us who, who at times our, our past can kind of raise up and, 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 and threaten to sink our future. God, I pray that when that happens, as we sing this song, God, I pray that you would tune our heart to sing your grace. God, that you would remind us that we are new creations in you, in Christ Jesus. And God, I pray that in the midst of that, that you would help us to fix our eyes on you. And by doing that, God, we would be, we would be pointing other people to you. Not pointing them to ourselves, not, not saying how good we are so you, you can be likewise, but God, we would, just, we would be a signpost pointing people to you. God, let us be that because I believe that when we are that, other people will see you and other people will join this movement. And, and God, I can't wait to see the things that you continue to do. Let us be those people, God. Let us be those people who are identified by your goodness and nothing else. We praise you, God. It's in your name.